Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Every day's Father's Day, right? Every day's Valentine's Day <laughs> and Mother's Day. It ain't lost until Mom can't find it. I uh, I found a very funny what I, I they call them memes. I don't know what it means, M E M E S. But there's this owl with his eyes kind of half closed, going. And that's the look when your kids said they looked everywhere and couldn't find something, right? And so that made me laugh because it's not lost unless mom can't find it. Well, and thank God for wonderful women in our lives. Amen? Guys? Yeah, okay, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to direct you to the bulletin to inform yourselves uh, on this. And... Um, Today's uh, sermon is on demon possession. Um, it is the account of Jesus going across the lake to a uh, Gentile land, and they encounter the man with many demons in him. And this is always an uncomfortable topic for me. And it's weird because it's been coming a lot up a lot lately. Um, demons, for example. And some of you I've had conversations with, and I'm going to quote C.S. Lewis uh, later on during the sermon, but, you know, demons are real. They exist, and they're not good. They're not kind. They're not Casper the ghost kind of things. And Lewis, C.S. Lewis said something to an effect is one of the two problems we might have as people. One is that we don't believe they exist, and the other is that we spend too much time and interest on them. So somewhere in the middle is the way to be. How this has come up in my life, uh, with people asking me about it and people struggling, um, has been a result of Ouija boards. So don't raise your hand, but have you ever seen a Ouija board? And more than that, if you have one in your house, um, get rid of it. <laughs> I mean, back in the 60s and so forth, they were sold as toys. They still are, apparently, they, you know, and all that stuff. But uh, there are two instances that I'm uh, involved in right now, not, you know, nothing like the exorcist or anything like that, but just counseling people um, in regards that, that, that came about these, these, these boards. Okay, so anyway, that's it. Way to start Father's Day. Get us started <laughs> Nick. <laughs> To thee, 
please stand if you're able. We come together this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts and by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved your neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, Comfort and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Oh God, you have prepared for those who love you such good things as surpass our understanding. Cast out all sins and evil desires from us and pour into our hearts your Holy Spirit to guide us into all blessedness through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading this morning is taken from the, pro- the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 65, verses 1 through 9. And this can be found on page 1162 in your pew Bible. This describes the anger of God for those who worship idols and false gods, but the restoration of those who are faithful to God. Isaiah 65, beginning with the first verse. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, here am I, here am I. All day long I have held out my hands to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations, a people who continually provoke me to my very face offering sacrifices in gardens and burning incense on altars of brick, who sit among the graves and spend their nights keeping secret vigil, who eat the flesh of pigs and whose pots hold broth of impure meat, who say, keep away, don't come near me, for I am too sacred for you. Such people are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that keeps burning all day. See, it stands written before me. I will not keep silent, but will pay back in full. I will pay it back into their laps, both your sins and the sins of your ancestors, says the Lord. Because they burn sacrifices on the mountains and defied me on the hills, I will measure into their laps the full payment for their former deeds. This is what the Lord says. As when juice is still found in a cluster of grapes and people say, don't destroy it, there is still a blessing in it, so will I do in behalf of my servants. I will not destroy them all. I will bring forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah, those who will possess my mountains. My chosen people will inherit them, and there will be my servants live. The second reading this morning is taken from Psalm 3, which is printed in your bulletin. This is a Psalm of David when he was surrounded by enemies and evil. He says, have confidence that the Lord remains with us and will protect us. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lay down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. The epistle this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 3, verses 23 through chapter 4, verse 7. And this can be found on page 1813 in your pew Bible. This describes the power and conviction under God's law before the coming of Jesus 
and the forgiveness and freedom that came with Christ's sacrifice for all who believe. Galatians 3, beginning with the 23rd verse. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental forces, spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 8th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning does indeed come from St. Luke. Chapter 8, verses 26 through 39 and can be found on page 1606 of your pew Bible. Luke records, they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house but had lived in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out, and he fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. And many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. And when the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and they heard the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. 
And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and he left. And the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Now that quote from C.S. Lewis. I, you know, any more, just because it's on the internet, sometimes it's not true. You ever find that? So the internet says this is attributed to C.S. Lewis. I've heard other versions, um, kind of like what I told you, but allegedly to him, C.S. Lewis wrote this, there are two equal and opposite errors in which our race can fail or fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence, and the other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist and a magician with the same delight. I take that to mean we need to be aware, we need to acknowledge existence, but we need not to research or be overly interested in it. Today's gospel does expose us to um, the mysterious topic of demon possession. And many people get frustrated when the Bible covers the topic of demons. And the reason for that sometimes is because it does not tell us everything that we want to know about the topic. And we need to trust that God in his infinite knowledge and perfect wisdom has lovingly told us what we need to know about the topic. But our human curiosity, our flesh, wants to know more. And our sinful imaginations often fill in the blanks with a dangerous ignorance. That's why sometimes people have messed around with those boards I was talking about. So when we deal with this topic, it is a good idea to take a few minutes to discern exactly what the Bible does and what the Bible does not say and teach about demons. Now, as we read during one of Jesus' debates with the Jewish leaders, Jesus said the devil was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, the devil, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. It's John 8, verse 44. When Jesus described the judgment on the last day, he spoke of the judgment of those who reject him. Then, according to Matthew 25, 41, then the Son of Man will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. 
those are the ones that reject him. And Peter warned us with these words. Peter, he said, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Astounding that Peter would say that which is very similar to what the Lord said to him. Now, a little about demons. They were not always evil. Moses' account of creation includes these words, and that is, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. That's Genesis 1.31. We do not know the exact day on which God created the angels. But these words teach us that all of the angels were good at the end of the sixth day. This means that the angels who followed the devil were still good at the end of day six, but that they rebelled at a later time. So here is what we know from the Bible. During the six days of creation, God created an uncountable number of spiritual beings called angels. God created angels. And when God created them, they were all good or holy. And shortly afterwards, a group of these angels, led by an angel named Satan, they rebelled, and they became evil. And the demons that are spoken of in this scripture, the demons are these evil angels who rebelled. And we also refer to these evil angels as devils. And we refer to their leader, who is Satan, as the devil. Now, God created hell. God created hell to be an eternal prison for these evil angels. And none of the evil angels, not even Satan himself, not even Satan, has authority in hell. That place was created for them. They are already condemned to this eternity, and they have no hope, none whatsoever. And that all that there is for these demons, all that's left is their hatred for God. And since these evil angels have no chance, none whatsoever, against God, well, at least directly, their only chance for revenge against God is to attack those who God loves. That's you. And that's me. And their goal is to seduce human beings into joining them in the eternal prison of hell. And Timothy, Paul writes, God our Savior desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. And therefore, the demons want just the opposite. They want people to believe a lie and to be damned. Today's gospel teaches us one more thing. That in spite of their rebellion, in spite of their power, in spite of their hatred, Jesus is still their creator and Lord. And they have no choice but to obey him and his word. Now the text states that even though chains could not hold them, they still had to obey Jesus. The text states that they were legion, which is a, a, a Roman military unit of between four and 6,000 soldiers. Now the point is this, the point being that all 6,000, all 6,000 of these demons had to obey Jesus. They had no choice. And Jesus and his disciples 
we read, had just landed in a Gentile territory. There was a herd of pigs in the area. And Jesus gave permission for the demons to enter the pigs. And they promptly ran the pigs into the sea. And the human victim of these demons was now demon-free. And now that this man is demon-free, Luke turns our attention to the other people in the area. The pig herders. The pig herders do what you might expect them to do after witnessing a herd of pigs stampede in the tree, into the lake. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and the country. And when the people heard the news, they went out to check on, well, they went out to see what happened there, check on this guy, Jesus. And the reaction that the people, uh, of the people, it gives us insight into the difference between the people in a Gentile area and the, the people of, of, the, of the Jewish area that they came from, Galilee, we can see that the people in the uh, Gentile area were under the influence and under the dominion of Satan. Why? How do we see that? Let me tell you. Then the people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus, and they found the man whom the demons had gone from. And he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and he was clothed for the first time in a long time. And in his right mind, they'd never seen him in that. And the people were afraid. The man was now saved, and the man was sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is a figure of speech that meant that he was listening as Jesus was teaching. We hear this another time in Scripture. In Luke 10, 39, do you remember this? Martha. Martha had a sister. Her name was Mary. And she was sitting and listening at Jesus' feet. Now, the natural response to the freedom that Jesus gives is to learn from him. And during the time that it took for the swine, I didn't know what you call uh, swine. Are they herders? Are they wranglers? They're not shepherds. But anyway, these guys ran back to tell everybody what had happened. And from the time it took them to get back to the city and bring reinforcements, the man was now free of demons. He'd had an extreme makeover from Jesus. And he'd had probably several hours of teaching at the feet of Jesus to learn about the gospel. And he could not get enough of Jesus because he wanted to go with him when Jesus was going to return across the lake. Now in contrast, when we see Jesus, he performed one of the healing miracles on the Jewish side of the lake, they began to praise God. They Everyone there uh, in the area began bringing their sick friends and their relatives to Jesus for the healing. The people on the Gentile side, however, were different. They did not have the training. They did not have the background to see that this healing was a blessing from God. And instead, they were terrified of Jesus. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to Depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and he returned. And they were afraid. They were afraid that Jesus might use his power on them. And they saw Jesus as a problem, not as a Savior. And Jesus complied with the people's wishes. Jesus isn't going to force you to believe in him. Amen? He offers it. He offers salvation. He's not going to make you take it. So he complied with the people's wishes. He left, but he left a missionary behind. And this was the reason Jesus spent so much time teaching the man who was now demon-free. The man from the, whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Talk about a powerful 
powerful missionary. They knew him. He was nuts. He was scary. And now he's changed. An extreme makeover, inside and out, proclaiming God. When Jesus arrived, this man was full of demons. When Jesus left, this man was a missionary to the people on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. The fact that the other people on that side of the lake were afraid of Jesus, it indicates that they were also under the influence of Satan and his demons. Their form of satanic oppression and bondage as unbelievers was just not, it just simply wasn't as spectacular as it was with the other man, but they were in unbelief. They were being oppressed. They were being under Satan's just under Satan. We know in Eden, the devil used a serpent to tempt Eve to eat of the forbidden fruit. And we know that mankind fell into temptation. And, and from that time on, every human being inherits a sinful nature at conception. And the Holy Spirit inspired David to write, Behold, David writes, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Further, he writes, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's why people, some people, cannot believe they're in the flesh. Now, Luther wrote... Uh, what I found to be kind of a complicated concept. It was called the bondage of the will. And what Luther wrote was of the will of the devil, and he wrote of the will of God. And he said that the human will is placed between two wills, like a beast of burden. So if God rides it, it wills and goes where God wills. And as the psalm says, I am become as a beast before thee, and I am always with thee. Now, if, if Satan rides the beast, the will, it wills and goes where Satan wills. Neither can it choose to run, the either, run to either of the two riders or to seek him out. But the riders themselves contend for the possession and control of it. God and Satan contend for the possession of the will, your will, my will. The human being is always possessed by a spirit, either the Holy Spirit or another spirit. The Word of God teaches that we are all conceived and born sinful and are under the power of the devil until Christ claims us as his own. Hear this truth. We would be lost forever unless delivered from sin, death, and everlasting condemnation. Now it's because we humans pass our sinful nature down from generation to generation. Bondage and oppression is bondage and oppression to sin is our natural state. We are by nature sinful. We are by nature unclean. And instead of loving God with all our mind and our soul and our strength, we love ourselves. Every human being by nature is terrified of God. Every human being by nature resists Him and fears Him. In our Isaiah reading today, our lives apart from God show that we are a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good following their own devices. The devil's control over us at birth may not be as spectacular as the man's in today's gospel, but we all enter into this world at odds with God. We all enter this world as slaves to sin. Now, there is only one person there is only one person who defeated the devil, and that person is Jesus. He was crucified for the forgiveness of all sins, and he was raised from the dead. 
And Jesus and Jesus alone is the only person who endured every temptation that the devil could throw his way and yet never sinned. Jesus and Jesus alone endured the forsakenness of hell for us as he died on the cross for our sins. And Jesus Christ crucified for the forgiveness of all sins and raised from the dead, the only person to defeat the devil, the same Jesus Christ offers his victory to you as a gift. We're almost done. Stay with me, please. Demons don't always identify themselves by driving pigs into a lake. Sometimes demons inhabit people who look like they could be best friends or harmless grandmas or grandpas. Sometimes demons are in the form of a false religion. Sometimes demons inhabit and push things like interfaith. We all worship the same God. You need to be able to hear that. Demons don't come up and say, hey, by the way, I'm going I'm to send you to hell. They're subtle. Maybe even attractive. They seem really nice. They inhabit people who look respectable on the outside and seem very nice, just like dangerous strangers tempt children with candy. Demon-possessed people tempt us with things that we like. It is their goal to make us feel very comfortable and even righteous while traveling the path to hell. And the real lesson that we can take away from today's gospel is that Jesus is the one who exposes demons and deals with them. The same Jesus Christ who demonstrated his power over today in the gospel has defeated the devil once and for all on the cross. Trust him. Trust in him. Trust in his holy life, his innocent suffering, and his death, his resurrection from the dead. Trust in his ascension into heaven. He is the only one who can protect you from the attacks of the devil. He is the only one who can give you life everlasting. Trust in Christ crucified and risen from the dead. And now may the Holy Spirit possess you and give you the faith that leads to everlasting life. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Please stand if you're able. Let us now confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people in accordance to their needs. O King of kings and Lord of lords, you call out to every nation of the earth seeking repentance and justice even as they rebel against your will. Work repentance in all civil leaders. Use them to defend the weak and to punish the guilty that the church may have free course to preach the gospel. Lord, in your mercy, Gracious God, your Son sent the man formerly possessed by demons to declare how much God had done for him. May your church also, rescued from the snares of the devil, proclaim how much Jesus has done for us. Lord, in your mercy, compassionate Father, from whom all fatherhood is named, we give you thanks for earthly fathers. Give them confidence in their station and zeal for their task to care for their families faithfully. Make them examples to their children of godly life and love of your word. Bless their work of bringing up children in the fear and instruction of the Lord and give them the comfort that your absolution over all of their shortcomings. Lord, in your mercy, Almighty God, you have established governments and institution for good order and our well-being. Guide and grant wisdom to leaders and citizens. Give peace, security, and good laws to our own country, our cities, and our communities. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, your son Jesus had pity on the man afflicted with an abundance of demons. Have mercy now on the afflictions that beset all who are hurting right now. All who we pray for quietly in our hearts and out loud right now. Give them healing. Give them strength and increase of faith. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful God, Isaiah spoke of the new wine full of blessings that will not be destroyed. Grant us faithfully to eat and drink our Lord's own body and blood given in fellowship of this altar. Lord, in your mercy. And dear Father, you know the condition of our souls, that we frequently wander into sins and vice and danger. Hear our prayers for the sake of Christ, who defeated legions of demons so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. 
Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. The Lord our God, maker of all things, through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection he opened up to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. All good things, all good things come from the Father. And it is our Father's great pleasure to give to you through the work that was worked perfectly by His Son, sinless, the perfect Lamb. It's His great pleasure to give to you, His children, Everlasting life, salvation, rescue from sin, death, and the devil. And this meal is a deposit on that and the feast to come. If that's your confession, if that's your profession, then come. The table is prepared. The ushers will bring you forward.
It's a hard teaching. Could be scary. But you are a child of God. And he protects his children. And he's called you to be with him forever. So let not your hearts be troubled over any of that. Neither should you ignore that there is a threat, especially for those who don't believe. Now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing hymn is Amazing Grace. Thank mm-hmm. you.